everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I am happy to be with you once again here on the program. With me today, I have a new guest. His name is Justin Claypool. Justin, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on, man. I'm glad we connected and getting to, to hear your story, man. Why don't we get right into it? Tell us, man, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Well, um, you know, from an early age, I've always been... Um, you know, heavy set or overweight as far back as I can remember. Um, and, you know, throughout elementary school, high school, my weight continued to grow until, um, you know, hitting the peak of my weight, which is going to be around like 2005 or so, um, or sorry, 2015 rather, and at over 375 pounds. And so, since then, I've been able to, um, you, you know, lose 150 pounds and largely maintain that weight loss for the last three years. Which is which is awesome. And a and a snapshot of your story. Like let let's get into like you don't you didn't get to 375 overnight. Like take us into kind of like how you know you said you grew up big. Like do you with the the eyes of reflection you have now? Like where do you really think your issues started for you? Uh, well, you know, at, at the time, I, you know, like to blame it on just being like genetically predisposed to, you know, being overweight. And I, I just, you know, after failed attempts to lose weight, had decided that, um, you know, I was set to be a bigger guy. You know, like you said, hindsight being twenty twenty, I look back um, and in the early on years, you know, there's not much that I was doing differently than... Um, you know, my peers or my siblings. And so I do think that, you know, early on there was some genetics that, that played a factor into that. You know, with, in the sixth grade, um, I had gotten, you know, really heavy set by that time. I'm not sure exact numbers, but, um, you know, ahead of going into middle school the next year, um, me, myself and my mom went to the doctor with the goal of, you know, finding out what's going on and why, um, you know, I was gaining so much more weight than, um, you know, my peers and others around me. And at that time, I was diagnosed as being um, pre-diabetic or insulin resistant mm -hmm. and prescribed metformin. Um, and so I think that really played a factor in, in the early on years of, you know, just packing on that weight. And, you know, I was playing sports and do, doing all the things that the other kids were doing, but... Um, you know, just gaining weight exponentially. And so, you know, try to take the metformin, that sort of stuff for a while. And, you know, of course, they at the time were prescribing, you know, portion control as well as like the standard pyramid uh, of foods, you know, like all these servings of grains and things like that. And it just obviously wasn't working for me. And so, um, you know, I revisited a, a few attempts throughout like my middle and high school years, but for the most part, just kind of gave up on that, you know, and decided that, you know, I was just a big guy, and that's the way it was, it's, so, yeah. no, I was yeah, just going to ask, so what was, you know, when you kind of hit that point of, of, of giving up and deciding you were going to be a big guy, like, and headed towards that highest weight in 2015, like, what was, what were things like for you then? Um, you know, it it was never easy. I mean, it was always something that, 
uh, you know, I definitely struggled with, especially as far as like self-image and, and that sort of thing goes. You know, once I um, graduated high school, which would have been 2008, um, I really just, you know, did other things to to distract myself and make myself feel more comfortable. Um, you know, one of the main things that I used to do that was uh, alcohol. So, mm-hmm. you know, I drank a lot and partied with my friends and, you know, that went on for a really long time. And I think, um, you know, it sort of gave me the excuse of, you know, all of my friends were drinking a lot and, you know, eating fast food and that sort of thing. And so it's something that really kind of got pushed to the back burner. Um, and there was definitely times, you know, when I thought about it more often and I decided I was going to make a change, but just didn't really have the consistency to, you know, to sort of stick with any of those changes. The weekend would come around and everybody would be cracking open a beer, you know, so. Right. And because and I, I, I think that's something, you know, that a lot of people can relate to going through that, making those attempts and not really putting everything into it. Like, what do you think was, was it kind of ho- the fact that it would take away from you those things you were using that you think was holding you back from making real change then? Like, you know, your, your best estimation of like why those earlier attempts didn't lead to success for you. Um, I think that's a big factor of it is, um, you know, I always looked at it as like a temporary measure of something that I would do in order to, you know, shed X amount of weight and then I would go back to having fun and living my life. So it's like I was always, you know, thinking of it in this way like, oh, I'll I'll put fun aside uh, for X amount of time and then once that's over... Um, you know, I'll be able to go back to living my life and having fun once I, you know, I've made some progress. So I think that played a big factor into it as well. But also, um, you know, the methods that I was using um, were largely unsustainable. Um, You know, I tried a lot of different things as I got into like my early 20s, especially. Um, You know, I tried a few different diets. At one point, I decided that Um, you know, HCG was the way that I was going to lose weight. And I was doing these like HCG drops. I don't know if you've ever done or heard of those, but you eat a 500 calorie diet along with it. And it was like, I mean, it was just crazy. I I would shed weight super fast, right? But then, you know, by day five or six of sticking to that, I was just so hungry. And, you know, I'd find myself like with a stack of four Big Macs in the McDonald's drive-thru, you know, because I just couldn't not, you know, stick with that extreme sort of, you know, calorie deprivation for any long period of time. And so, um, you know, that I tried, you know, the juice cleanse thing, only drinking, you know, just vegetable and fruit juice for a while and uh, sort of some other things to shed the weight, but nothing that was really like sustainable for me long term. Yeah, well, I, I think it plays into that place of I'm going to do this for X amount of time and then life can go back to exactly the way it was before. I'll just have taken care of the issue. And, you know, I'll have lost the weight. And once I lose the weight, you know, I, I, I follow, you know, I take the HCG, HCG drops. I eat 500 calories a day until I get to that place I want to be. And then, you know, like a switch flips and everything is great. 
And, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people could probably relate to listening. Like we never, there's not a lot of talk of like, or there, I think there is now, let me, let me preface that. Like, I, I think in a lot of spaces there is now, but for the most part, kind of like weight loss culture has always been about getting you to a scale number. And then once you hit the scale number, you're kind of out of the, you're out of the parade and you just kind of go off on your own and, you know, go back to things, you know, and you can all of a sudden things that you couldn't control before you had issues with. Now you be able to magically control them without really doing any work on that besides making that radical lifestyle change that you made for a temporary period. You know, I think that right. there, there's, yeah. a, there's a human nature thing. And I think it's a hope, you know, it's a hope we have. Let me just do this one thing that yes, seems weird or feels like I can't keep this up forever, but let me just do this long enough and then I'll be okay. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I mean, you know, it's just that mindset of like, if you tell somebody they're going to have to give up, you know, something that they love forever, you know, hamburgers or ice cream, whatever the case may be, that, you know, just sounds terrifying. So they think, okay, well, you know, I'll do this diet for, you know, 30 days or eight weeks or whatever it is. And then I'll go back to, you know, the things that I love doing rather than uh, trying to find something sustainable long term that, you know, still allows them to enjoy, enjoy those things on occasion. And so you get to your heaviest weight in around 2015. And then eventually you're going to, you're going to start making change. And I think in your, your, your pre-interview, you know, you were talking about that kind of started for you in 2017. What brought you to a place that you decided I have to find, I have to do something. I, I have to find something that is going to work this time. Um, so it actually goes a little bit back from there. Um, I decided to move out of my hometown. So I'd always grown up in Southern Oregon, Klamath Falls, Oregon. And, um, you know, like I said, used alcohol and partying a lot as a distraction to my problems. And um, at one point just got to where I was fed up with that and decided to just sort of pack my bags and move myself and my dog, you know, about 10 hours away to where I live now, which is in Clarkston, Washington. And so I had some family up here and was lucky enough to have a support system here that I was able to just up and make that move. And with the main goal of that being to quit partying quite so much and, you know, sort of try and get my, my life on track. And so the very first thing I did was that. And then, you know, through that small change and coming up here and I got a more active job. I was a merchandiser for a beverage distribution company. So I was on my feet a lot throughout the day and started to see like some tiny physical changes. Um, you know, I was got down to, you know, I probably lost 10 or 15 pounds just from eating more homemade food less fast food, you know, living near family where we would cook and things like that, not necessarily even healthy or healthy minded, but, um, you know, just better than fast food and not consuming the alcohol all the time. And so that sort of got me started. And from there, um, I saw someone online mention Whole30. And so I, you know, start digging into it. I order the Audible book and, um, you know, read through the, or listen to that, um, like binge through it. And it just made sense to me. 
and so I decided then that I was going to commit and, you know, go ahead and give Whole30 a shot. And, you know, um, through that process, that first 30 days, uh, I actually lost over 35 pounds. Uh, I didn't step on a scale the entire time. Um, and if, you know, for people out there that aren't familiar with Whole30, you're required to eat three meals a day. You don't track anything. And so for me, it was the first time that I had really ever felt like I was doing something unsuccessful at it without like that huge starvation feeling like I was just depriving myself all the time. And, you know, I'd eat as much as I wanted as long as it was these healthier foods and really just kind of showed me that, you know, maybe I can do this, you know, maybe, you know, there is hope for me to lose weight without, you know, feeling like I'm dying all the time with, you know, extreme calorie deprivation. So that was a huge catalyst to sort of start my weight loss journey. No, understood. And I'm very personally familiar with the Whole30. It's something that's been a part of my journey at various points going back almost, almost to when there wasn't even a book published yet on it. But so I understand kind of the, the core concepts and, and things behind, you know, that the food change for the whole 30, you know, the things that you were moving, grains, dairy, those pieces. For you to make that change for that first 30 days, what were the, the biggest challenges for you, you know, during that time? Like it, in terms of like knowing that you were already kind of cutting back on the partying side of things, but making a shift to the types of food you were approaching, like... What are the things that kind of stand out in your memory from that experience? Um, for for me, definitely was having to cook everything. Mm -hmm. So at this time with Whole30, there wasn't any Whole30, you know, this is 2017. There's no Whole30 products on the shelf. You can't walk into the grocery store and find, you know, dressings or mayonnaise or condiments or any sort of like pre-made meals or anything like that that... Um, you know, were approved on this program. And so having to cook and, you know, not just cook, but cook three times a day and use ingredients I wasn't familiar with and check the labels on every single thing. Mm -hmm. I'd never, never even really looked into labels before, you know, it, other diets I tried would say, you know, these foods are bad and these ones are good or whatever, but looking at the label on something, um, you know, that, was one of my biggest challenges and by far one of the best things that I ever did as far as, you know, that program forced me to really take a look at my intake and the foods that I was eating and, you know, what was in those foods. Mm -hmm. It's you know, eye-opening. Eye like Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It really is, you know, sneaky sugars and things like that, things that you would never think that they would add sugar to. I remember a huge one for me was garlic salt and, and other similar seasonings. Like, why would you add, you know, it's supposed to be garlic and salt. It's supposed to be savory, not sweet. Like, why is there sugar in this? And it was like really eye-opening to me just how many things that I had to avoid. And so, um, you know, that was definitely the biggest challenge. But, you know, in the end, one of the biggest takeaways. No, 100%. I think that's, I think if any, if there's any takeaway from anyone at all in what, what you've just been talking about, it's start reading labels, start understanding, even if you're not looking for specific things, like have an understanding of what's in the food you're eating. Like, 
and I don't even personal like personally from my pers- you know perspective, I don't even say like if you don't know what a word is, you know, I think there's this this big thing out there, you know, if you don't know what something is, don't eat it. And I I think that's smart, but you can also find out what things are. Like educate yourself, become someone who understands, you know, even let, let's use sugar as an example, you know, there's some crossover there from my experience and your experience like the number of names for sugar on a label, you know, can blow you away. There's like 75 plus names that they use for sugar now. Like, so it's not just looking for the word sugar. It's looking for all these other words that you might not have known mean that there's sugar added to something. But when you start to educate yourself, you feel empowered to at least know what you're putting into your body. So you can then start to think about how you feel when you put it into your body. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. the sugar list, that's one that still, you know, kind of mind-blowing how many different ways that they can really hide sugar in those products oh, yeah and so after what where did things go for you after that first 30 days so <clears throat> from there um i you know had such great success with the program that i sort of just jumped back into it right um unfortunately i didn't do the reintroduction by the book and and that's where ultimately i struggled a lot with whole 30 is I would do so great with this structure and these rules. I, you know, I would follow them down to a T enough that I was driving my family crazy, you know, because they cooked something. I'm like, well, you know, what kind of oil did you put in? Like, I really was a rule follower. And so, you know, I can say I had like perfect rounds during that time. But um, when it came to reintroduction, you know, it was like as soon as I had one thing, the wheel sort of fell off for me. So, you know, I'd, I'd reintroduce one thing and then, you know, all of a sudden I'm having, you know, onion rings and a beer at the bowling alley or something, right? And um, so I was unable to really utilize the reintroduction part of the program at that time that sort of allowed me to slow, slowly reintroduce things and find out how they affected me. I'd go all out and, you know, get a little carried away with the beers or whatever, I was eating and and then I'd wake up and just feel terrible compared to how I'd felt, you know, at the end of this really strict, um, you know, diet or cleanse, whatever you want to call it. Um, And so a few days later, I decided to jump right back into it did another round um, and then largely just stuck with the rules of the program um, until June of that year. And at that point I was, I was the first time I broke 300 pounds in my adult life. And so, um, you know, just from March to June, I'd lost 65, 70 pounds in that, that time frame. Um, and, um, you know, from there I would sort of do this yo-yo where, I'd get on another round of Whole30, I'd do really great, and then when the round ended, I'd say, oh, great, I can, you know, go to the beach and have beers with my friends, and then the wheels would sort of fall off for a couple of weeks, and then I'd get feeling bad again and not wanting to see the scale go back up, and so I'd jump back into Whole30, and so I started to use it in this really sort of unhealthy yo-yo cycle that, you know, the program isn't intended for. I had a really hard time finding that middle ground. But even so, with with that happening, um, throughout 
the next like six to nine months, like March 2018, right around there, I got down to about 260 pounds. And so at that point, I, I had hit like uh, 100 pounds lost in about a one year time frame, which, you know, is a significant amount of weight. Um, <clears throat> and at that point, um, I sort of got complacent. Um, you know, I'd lost 100 pounds and I felt good and I felt great, but I didn't see um, quite the change that I thought I would in my mind. If I, You know, I always thought to myself, if I could ever lose 50 pounds or 60 pounds or whatever, um, you know, what I would look like or my physique or things like that, right? So having had this 100 pound weight loss, but still not being happy with where I was at, I sort of just settled in and, uh, you know, quit weighing in so much and still trying to eat healthy and, you know, trying to exercise and walk my dog and things like that, but really sort of stopped paying attention to, um, you know, what weight I was at. And this is a period where I really started to regain a lot of weight. Um, and from there, I got back up to 312. So I'd gotten all the way down to 255 pounds. And in uh, May of 19, so, you know, about, I guess that's a little over a year after I hit that 260 mark, I had you know, 260, 255, I'd packed on, regained almost 60 pounds, and was at a family reunion that May, and I remember just looking at pictures uh, of myself at the time, and saying, wow, I, you know, really started to backtrack here, and I hadn't stepped on a scale in a long time, and, and when I did, I saw 312, and I was like, kind of a, a big moment for me, where I was like, you know, this success was not permanent for sure. It, you know, it was temporary and I'm no longer putting in the work and it really started to backslide there. Which is is relatable, I, I, I think, to many people that, you know, have gone on, on weight loss journeys. Like that idea that you get, you hit a, you hit a point where you've made a significant change you know, physically, and you get comfortable, and then that comfort continues until you, you have it put back kind of in front of you. And Absolutely. So what happened, you know, what happened from there? So uh, that June, uh, you know, after the family reunion, I decided to refocus my efforts and um, had sort of uh, tinkered around with diet bed a little bit and then signed up for something called healthy wager um, healthy wagers um, a monthly bet where they're withdrawing a certain set amount from your account um, I did 10 months at $60 a month so over the course of that 10 months um, they were you know sub uh, withdrawing that $60 from my account for a total of $600 and I was betting um, that I could lose, I believe it was 70 pounds in that 10 month time frame. And so I set that goal. Um, and, you know, if I were to win that, I would not only win my 
600 bucks back but win $1,900 total. And, you know, for me, money's always been a big motivator. So that really was like, all right, I've, you know, only gave myself 10 months in this bet. And that's, you know, seven pounds a month, which isn't unreasonable, but it, it's a good amount. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot. Oh, yeah. And, and so I sort of started to, um, dive back into whole 30 and through, um, like the healthy wager chats and forums and stuff that there were on Facebook. There was several groups, um, started to find out more about keto and started to do like loosely do keto, um, you know, not really super carefully or tracking macros, but I knew that, you know, from doing the, um, Whole30, I knew that I did well with Whole Foods and, you know, naturally that's a little bit lower carb. Um, And so I decided to give it a shot and started to have some real success from there and then um, really kind of started to take off when um, I stumbled across somebody recommended me to read the book called Delay, Don't Deny by Jen Stevens. And I started doing intermittent fasting along with eating um, you know, keto or a lower carb lifestyle. And, um, you know, from there, the weight really just started to come off, um, over the next, um, 10 months during that bet. Um, I not only met, but exceeded my goal on that. So I finished that in March of 2020. Uh, I was down to 231 pounds at the time by far the lightest I've ever been at my full height and, um, you know, won the prize money and sort of went through, um, you know, that whole process as my end goal. Um, and when I reached that point, um, you know, kind of started to do the same thing a little bit, you know, get complacent again and, celebrate, you know, that I, that I lost all of this weight, but, um, you know, having found intermittent fasting and for that being like something that just like made sense and clicked to me along with all of that knowledge that I'd gained doing whole 30 and learning about reading labels and everything like that, it was able, really able to just sort of kick into maintenance mode where I wasn't really losing weight, but I wasn't gaining weight either. You know, I probably had like a 15 pound fluctuation range, you know, 10 to 15 pounds. And so what, cause I, th- I think part of, you know, like you, what you just kind of came to was, is one of the main things that's in there is taking the things that you were learning, you know, over this time, like, and finding a way to build that into something that was at that point sustainable for you. Like what, yeah, absolutely. Were you starting to I, feel that? Was that how you were it. starting to feel? Or? No, yeah, you. for sure. I, <clears throat> I was kind of starting to feel like that was like, you know, I was slowly adding things to my tool belt, you know? Like, I had intermittent fasting now. You know, I had low... I knew that low-carbon keto was also effective for me. And then, um, you know, had this great knowledge from Whole30 of, um, you know, what foods... Are healthy for my body inflammation wise and what foods worked well for me and what didn't 
you know, through all those rounds, I ended up doing, you know, eight or nine rounds of Whole30 by the time I was done. And so each one of those things, you know, I was able to sort of gain more information and more knowledge um, and and really just sort of build up that tool belt that I had of, you know, being able to continuously improve. So <clears throat> right around that time, um, just before I finished my healthy wager, I, I joined uh, a gym here in the Valley, uh, Robinson Elite Performance, and it's like strength and conditioning classes. And that was a big thing for me as well. I'd never really been a gym goer like throughout high school or, or even after. And so <clears throat> that's something I also was just getting started with around there as well because even though I you know I was down to 230 pounds I still at that point you know wasn't super happy like with how I looked in the mirror my physique you know some of that's probably a little bit of body dysmorphia as mm -hmm. well but um, at the same time you know I was started to focus a little bit on getting stronger and has that uh, but no go ahead I didn't mean to cut you off Oh, you're good. Um, so, um, from there, uh, you know, I sort of just stayed in a period of maintenance. I would, um, you know, I would say I was getting stronger and um, a little bit more like cardiovascular fit. Um, and then, I believe it was August of 2020, um, I bought a home here in the Valley and started working on remodeling. It's kind of a fixer upper job. And that sort of like put everything else to the side because it was like, you know, all of a sudden I was living in this house that I was renovating and my brother was helping me out and he's notorious for not, you know, wanting or, or liking, uh, you know, home cooked meals. And so uh, from there, From there, uh, you know, I sort of started to slip back a little bit as far as not um, eating as healthy as I should and, um, you know, drinking more and things like that. And so with, you know, with sort of my goals on the back burner, I was working on the house and started to gain a little bit of weight back fortunately you know i still had all of these tools in my tool belt that i was able to fall back on uh, in fasting and i was able to largely maintain the loss um, and then in july of, of 2021 things had sort of settled out a little bit and um i really decided at that point to focus more on my health and wasn't feeling great all the time and came across a audible book um, this naked mind by Anne grace and at that point decided that i was just going to clean give up drinking altogether mm -hmm. and so that really was like the beginning of the catalyst into really pushing and seeing like how far i was able to um sort of take you know, this health and fitness journey that I was on. Um, that was the next big step. So 
that was July of 2021, and then in August, I was uh, talking to a friend, and he was he was saying uh, that I should do. I had invited him to do a step bet. I was big into doing step bets, where um, you know you get a step goal every month, and if you meet it, win money at the end. And I was trying to convince him to do that with me. And he was like, well, I'm going to start the 75 hard tomorrow. I was mm. like, well, what's 75 hard, you know? So he sends me a couple screenshots and, you know, I'm reading on it for like 10 minutes and listen to a, a, po- a clip of a podcast from Andy. And I'm like, oh man, I'm in. Let's do it. <clears throat> and so, you know, I was already doing the sober thing. And so I'm like, oh, this is going to be easy. I'll be able to do it. No problem. So... Uh, we sort of died, I dived into it the very next day. And so over the next three months, um, really kind of got my butt kicked by 75 hard. It was, uh, by far, you know, it sounds not so hard when you read about it, right? You know, it's like, oh, I'm already working out and, you know, I'm already not drinking and, oh, I can follow a diet. You know, it didn't sound terrible to me. And so, but it's the combination you know, the mental toughness that it takes to do all of those things every day. Uh, And at the time, I was also working two jobs. Um, So I had, you know, great success with that. I was probably like 230, 235, sort of in that same fluctuation range that I'd started in uh, or been in for a while, kind of in maintenance area. And from August to October... Um, I got down to 199.6. So that was my lowest weight ever. I sort of crept under 200, you know, kind of just wanted to see it on the scale. You know, it was one of those like monumental moments that it was a number that I thought was like physically impossible for myself, you know, being six foot four, um, and having just always been a big guy, I just didn't think it was a number that I was ever going to see on the scale. And you got there. I which, did. I did. I did get there. Which is something like I think, especially when someone has been a bigger like, you know, I I can't speak for for women because I'm a man. Um, but I think when you when you've been a bigger guy especially when you've been well above 300 pounds, you know, or you've been even bigger than that. Getting out of the 200s, even if it's not sustained out of the 200s, is, is, a, is a milestone moment. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, is that really, did that really happen? Yeah, yeah, it, w- it was really kind of a strange feeling. It was like, um, I was doing, um, you know, both alternate day fasting at the time, along with doing 75 hearts. So I'm doing two workouts a day. And then my second job, I was working at the airport where I was getting like an extra five to 8,000 steps a day. So I was coming in like, you know, 16, 18,000 steps on most days and then going and doing a 45 minute workout that typically can, you know, for broad strokes purposes, you can sort of think CrossFit strength and conditioning classes, functional fitness. And so, um, you know, really it was a lot of activity. 
And that sort of led me to the point where I was at that 199 and it was sort of like, okay, now what? You know, I still wasn't really happy with my physique at the time. I was really struggling um, in those classes at the gym. Like, I didn't have much strength. Um, You know, I couldn't put up numbers on any of my lifts and felt like, you know, I was lifting way less than everyone else around me. You know, obviously, comparisons that Thief of Joy, but um, just really sort of struggling, even like feeling like physically sick after. And, you know, looking back, I... I just was losing weight too fast. I I was fasting too much, um, you know. And for me, it was a really hard um, sort of realization to realize that, you know, too much of a good thing is not a good thing. And, um, you know, so at that point, it was like kind of like, well, you know, now what? I've hit this magic, you know, Wonderland number or whatever, and I didn't stay there for long. I I thought, okay, that was cool. Now, um, you know, let's let's focus on physique. And so I decided at that point that I was going to try um, and, you know, improve body composition and build some muscle and stop fasting so much. I switched for the rest of my whole 32, or whole 30, sorry, uh, the rest of that 75 hard to doing one meal a day, um, you know, like 20 and 4, 22 and 2, something like that, and um, trying to learn more about actually building muscle, which, uh, you know, come to find out, I did not know anything about. Well, I was going to say, when when you start to get into learning about building muscle, it doesn't necessarily go in line with the caloric deficit brought on by alternate day fasting. Right. A lot of activity. Yeah. So that was really um, sort of my next big challenge, right? I, you know, lost all this weight and I, you know, I could, knew that I could get skinny and I'd become, you know, adept at losing weight and knew that I could get back down to whatever weight I wanted to. And so I stopped trying to pay so much attention to the scale started eating a lot more and then unfortunately um you know complacency kind of set in again on me you know it was like I was still going to the gym but not as consistent and for me I can just be such an all-or-nothing person that like I wasn't without that like strict eating um, you know, when I started to try and up my calories, it was something I really struggled with and like e- eating in a longer window because I'd been fasting for a couple of years, either, you know, OMAD one meal a day or alternate day fasting or some sort of combination of those things. So to try and move to like eating more protein over, you know, a six or eight hour window um, was something that I just really struggled with. I wasn't used to it. I was used to fasting, opening up my window, eating as much as I felt like, and then closing it off again, you know, and sort of missed that feeling of being really full that I would get when I would do the longer fasts and then, you know, sort of have that feast period. And so, um, really kind of packed on the weight along with, because I'd stopped drinking, I had sort of developed like a sweet tooth out of nowhere. And 
I think there's sort of, you know, some brain chemistry behind that that I don't pretend to know a whole lot about, but I know the two are related. And, um, you know, so I first I started with like protein bars and stuff like that. I've never been a sweets guy my whole life. Like, you know, the stereotypical fat guy, you know, they'd be, everyone would be like, oh, you must love cake and cookies. And it was never me, man. I would always turn down cake at a birthday party if I could have another slice of pizza or more burgers and fries so just never really cared about sweets and all of a sudden I just had like an undeniable sweet tooth in it for a while I you know I would do like like I say like protein bars with you know alcohol sugar things like that in there but most of the time I was just sort of quieting those cravings and um, you know packed up a little bit of weight back on over, I would say the next year, I had planned on doing like phase uh, phase one, phase two, and phase three of the Live Hard program, but, um, you know, sort of just, like I say, got complacent and was going through, you know, struggling with finding that sort of balance of eating more to build muscle without eating so much that I'm gaining back fat. So <clears throat> from there, I was, you know, pretty familiar with first form having, you know, been on like social media um, centered around the 75 hard and live hard program. And so I signed up for the first form app and decided to, you know, really get some advice on macros and um, you know, eating sustainably in order to build muscle. And um, this last October, I started 75 hard again and um, did it at the same time that they were doing the fall transformation challenge and, um, you know, started working with an advisor, started really finding out more about building muscle, got rid of a little bit of, um, you know, my phobia around like having some carbs post-workout and things like that got started on a couple of supplements with them as well and just really started to feel a lot better and, you know, just see like massive progress in the gym comparatively to when I was doing 75 hard the first time around. Um, you know, not only that, but I, I knew a lot more about the program and was being a lot more strict with it than I had when, you know, I jumped in the day after I heard about it. Kind of took me a while to sort of get in the groove. Um, and so, you know, that, that kind of brings me almost to, uh, you know, where we're at today. Just, just more recently in January, I completed um, the phase one, which is the next phase after the initial 75 hard of the live hard program uh finished that up in january and just started phase two uh, about four or five days ago and so that's something i'm currently working on well what i like hearing in your story man is like the so that's a way to kind of phrase this out there like there, there's a realness to this idea that it wasn't just that you found one thing and that one thing made this massive change in your life and then everything ended. You know, there's, there's 
all kinds of different pathways that you've been on, you know, in, in learning about yourself in those times of real focus, those times of doing too much of a good thing, you know, the places of complacency, like there's a real sense of this is a life that a person, you know, the, an average person listening who has de dealt with these issues could live. I don't know if that's making any sense or it just sounds like I'm rambling. But it's this idea that you didn't just find one thing and run with it. You know, you allowed yourself to allow life to take be a different priorities at different times. Like when you talked about getting your house and what kind of your focus became during that time and what you got back to. And through this whole kind of ride you've been on to where you're at today, what do you think in the end have been... The biggest lesson in, and I don't by any means I'm trying to imply that you've learned every lesson that you need to learn in your life. Obviously, we're lifelong learners, but what do you think are the biggest lessons you've learned about yourself and what you need, what's best for you, you know, coming through all of this? Um, honestly, I would just say that, you know, that my biggest takeaway from this whole thing is, has been that sort of don't give up attitude, you know, um, throughout this whole thing I found things that worked and I found things that didn't work and I you know I've failed more times than you know I care to to think about really you know th those are those are hard things for me to reflect upon uh, you know times when I I really backslid and so the number one thing that I for sure have gained out out of this is just that sort of like grit and fortitude to mm -hmm. know that if I keep going and keep trying keep learning and sort of being open to new knowledge and adapting to, you know, new information that I can keep making progress forward. No, I think that makes complete sense. And it's, it speaks to that idea that it is about continuing to move forward, regardless of, of where the journey has taken you. Like, I think too often, you know, I even look in, you know, at different points in my history, like, there are times where that place, when you get into that place of complacency, instead of allowing, you know, yourself to find a way back to the path at that point, it becomes years of complacency, which then becomes years of work that you're doing, you know? So I, I think the piece that a lot of people miss is this idea that you can always learn more and you can apply what worked. You can let go of things. You can change your perspective on, on tools that you've used, even if they helped you immensely at a point. You know, I don't know in terms of, you know, how much you're still into the whole kind of keto fasting space, you know, on the internet, you know, on social media, but you see a lot of folk that used keto for years and have now incorporated a different way of eating in their life. And instead of saying, this is what I used during this time, and this is what I'm doing now, it becomes about, I should have never even done what I did before. Like, I think acknowledging that we use different tools at different times when we need them and pulling those things that, you know, it's okay to use what we need today. And that may be different about than what we need tomorrow, but being willing to move into tomorrow with our eyes open and with that willingness to continue to learn and get corrected when we are doing things that may not have led us to the best place in the first place. So how do I course correct that and continue to stay on this path of continuing to be, have, you know, eyes on my own personal goals and what's best for me. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, what what you just said really resonates with me because when I did the whole 30 and then I sort of started to shift into like keto, low carb intermittent fasting, 
I had sort of like built this little community online of like, you know, I was posting Whole30 recipes and I was only following people that did Whole30 or whatever. And it was like, you know, it was actually like scary or intimidating to start posting that I was doing something else, you know, that, you know, I didn't, I wasn't following the Whole30 anymore. I wasn't doing rounds or adhering to their, you know, their long-term like food freedom or what, whatever, you know? And so it was, you know, kind of the same way too with intermittent fasting, because, you know, that was sort of the next thing that I, I really delved into. And more recently, you know, it's, a lot of my community on social media and things that I've become a part of, you know, Facebook groups, things like that, were centered around intermittent fasting. And so I haven't ever stopped intermittent fasting, but, you know, I went from somebody that was doing OMAD and ADF to, you know, I eat eight or nine hours a day now in order to sort of meet my protein goals and, and things like that. So it's really been those changes people get so hyper-focused on one thing and like you say they want to say what they were doing before was wrong and it's it's like you know what I was doing then served me well and I was able to learn so much from it and take that and carry it with me into the next thing that I'm doing you know oh for sure I think I think we fall into a trap sometimes of defining ourselves by our behaviors because that's an easy way to kind of build commonality and community with other people like I very much like my, I don't, you know, know how much, you know, of kind of what my story has been, but my first massive weight loss was through whole 30 and paleo, uh, back in like 2010 to 2013. And you very much can find other people that are using the same tools and you find commonality and connection. And then when you change the tool that you're using that big connection can sometimes feel like it doesn't exist anymore. So should we still be connected or who am I connected with now? And how do I find that same sense in, you know, and I think there's, there's that massive kind of like feeling where you're like, am I betraying something that I did before? Am I, you know, am I, am, am I, you know, I had, I had something that didn't fall right in line with what this person does. So are they not, this not have the same connection to me? Like I think defining ourselves you know, more by our, our, our purpose and goals and, and pieces along those lines. In the end, serves us better. But I think we all go through that that place, that phase. Like, there are very staunch communities built around ways of eating. You know, me being in the keto space, I know that very much. Like, if you're in the keto space and you eat something that's quote-unquote not keto, I, the keto police can show up at your house. Like, there's, 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 there's sometimes things get a little extreme because, you know, the desires and the goals and the things that people are doing to change their life can be very, you know, can be powerful, positive extremes for them. But then it, it can take on a different, you know, shift it to a different light when it becomes, you know, like you were saying like that. I don't necessarily want to say it's a fear, but it's like that trepidation of are these same people that I'm connected to going to feel connected to me if I'm not eating the way that they're eating. And you know, being able to kind of cross those lines and realize that there's a bigger sense of commonality that we can all connect to. It's just getting there can be really hard. So, Justin, what are what are the goals driving you forward right now? Well, um, you know, I'm I'm sort of a big believer in uh, 
you know, I like to call it Mamba mentality from Kobe and like constantly improving. So, you know, I, I always look for the next thing to be improving towards. Um, right now, my main goal is body composition. I don't have like a set number in my head because I've sort of learned a lesson there as well as like, um, you know, the set number that you have in your head might not actually be what you think it is as far as like I'm not setting a specific body fat goal or anything like that. But, um, you know, my main goal is to continue um, improving body composition long term. Uh, short term, I'd love to be get my fitness to a level where I could do uh, a Murph workout, um, something that uh, I've always wanted to be able to do at one of the first times at um, the gym. Uh, was shortly after I joined, we did a Murph, and I was like nowhere near close to being able to even do it modified. And so that's something that... Um, you know, in a, a little bit shorter term, I'd like to be able to do it's uh, running a mile, 100 pull-ups, uh, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and then running another mile while wearing a weighted vest. So it, it's a pretty ambitious goal, but uh, that's what I'm working towards right now. And I just did my first strict pull-up, so I'm, I'm a little ways away, but, you know, for the first time in my life, I'm able to do a pull-up. So, nice. you know, I'm getting there. Yeah. <laughs> And what, what is it inside you now that tells you not only that those are the goals, you know, that you're striving for, but I don't, I hope this, this make this question makes sense, but what are the things that tell you that it's possible? You know, what are the thoughts that you have, the mindset that tells you that these things that you're working towards are, are challenges, but they're achievable challenges? Um. You know, I, I think a lot of it really stems from the success that I've had so far. Um, you know, if you would have told me at 375 pounds that I that I could see 199 pounds on the scale, I thought it actually impossible. You know, I, I didn't think unless I was dying or in a starvation camp or something that it would, that my frame could even, you know, support me being that small and so I think the success of what I've done so far and just doing things that I never thought that I would be able to do um, really sort of pushes that drive and determination for success along with um, you know sort of tied into that accomplishment has been like 75 hard and live hard program have really um, sort of proven to myself that I can do hard things and that's been like one of the biggest takeaways from that program for me is like I told myself I was going to do something I stuck to it you know I was true to the you know the questions on the app at the end of the day like did you complete this and you know saw that through and so I think doing something like that um, just gives yourself immense amount of um, confidence that you know if you set your mind to it there's literally nothing that you can accomplish and so uh, that's really just been my mindset going forward is not can I do this next thing but what and how am I going to do next you know mm -hmm. no, understood, man. and I 
I appreciate you sharing that because I think it's something, you know, it's important for people to hear how important that learning mindset and that focus is when it comes to, you know, not just achieving success, but acknowledging that success and being able to, to build upon it. For sure. So Justin, if people are listening to your story and what you're talking about today and want to connect with you, where do they find you? Um, I am on Instagram and um, actually recently changed my profile name. I'm on there under Claypool Conquers Complacency. And um, they can find me there is probably the main and easiest place. Well, I will make sure to put a link to that in the show notes for this episode, man, so people can keep up with what you're doing and, and those things that you're working on for sure. Justin, I end every episode with five questions I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for your run through those questions? Let's do it. Okay, so question number one, Ben. Living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? All right, so you know I might have an inclination to go funny, but if I really think about it, I'm going to go you know, with my nerd side on this one and say that Hagrid from Harry Potter. The mountain of a man, always been my favorite. Uh, you know, both the fictional character from the books and uh, Robbie Coltrane's portrayal of him in the movies. I like it, man. It's it's an answer I've, you know, in o- over 200 episodes, I've never gotten that answer. So <laughs> All right. I, I feel like there should be a prize that goes when I, when I get a new answer to some of these questions. <laughs> so that, that question's been there since the Fat Guy 5 started years ago. And you were the first person to pick Hagrid, so I like it, man. Question number two, Justin. (laughs) Excuse me, I'm coughing. Tell us something about yourself that you love. Um, I would really have to say at this point, I I love my like unwillingness to quit. Um, You know, that's something that I'm super proud of. And that sort of grit and determination and self-confidence that I've built. And I think it's something that I really love about myself because it's something that I didn't have for a long time. And so now having it, you know, it's, it's something that's new to me and it's, you know, one of my favorite parts about the new me. I like it, man. And question number three, speaking about the new you, looking at the journey that you've been on, man, what has been the most important new habit that you have built? Um, honestly, I, I would say like as simple as it sounds is just walking, um, you know, consistently walking with, with my dog, um, is the most important habit that I have, you know, one, it, it helps, um, you know, as far as like weight loss and, and, um, you know, calories in and out and that sort of thing, but, it's also for me such a huge um, contributor to my mental health, um, you know, in a positive way, like getting out and walking with my dog. And um, it sets me up for making better decisions in, in every other aspect. And so I'd say by far, that's the most important habit that I've developed. I like it, man. Question number four, Justin, what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness or weight loss related? Um, let's see, I would say, um, really to take better control of my finances is something that I'm really focused on right now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, paying off a little bit of debt, sort of buckling down in that way and, um, you know, setting myself up a little bit better financially. 
There you go, man. That's always a positive thing. You know, I, I think when we talk about physical and mental health, fiscal health is something that, you know, we all could probably use a bit of a workout in for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Justin, question number five, last question on the main show for you today. Tell us if you could go back in time, you know, to yourself on that, even if you want to go, say, go back in time to yourself on that day before you started the Whole30, you know, what is a message you would want to give to Justin in the past? Um, I, I would really just want to um, relay the importance of consistency. Um, you know, even the small things, I think, is super important. And along with consistency, not always having to go all or nothing. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of the, the times when I became complacent or I you know, had those backtracks, it's because, um, you know, I just sort of fell off of doing the basic habits. So, you know, if I could go back and explain to myself the importance of that consistency of even, you know, like the number one thing, walking my dog, right? If I'd done that every day, it would have made a vast improvement over the last five years. So definitely just relay that importance of consistency. I like it. Justin, Thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your experiences with, with the audience. I'm sure that people are going to get a lot out of your story. Absolutely. It's great, man. Thanks for having me. Definitely. And Justin is going to join me on the Patreon after show. So don't forget, if you are not signed up for the Fat Guy Forum Patreon, get yourself signed up. He is, I'm going to, I believe, going to be episode 23 of that after show. So 23 continued conversations that are there for you, ready and waiting right now. So we'll be back with Justin in a minute. Everyone... Besides that, I don't know what's going on with me today. I'm falling over my words. It's been happening lately. But <laughs> Justin's contact information will be in the show notes. You can find him on Instagram. You can always connect with me on Instagram as well at Gourmet Goes Keto. On Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. And my friends, remember, go out there. Do something today to amaze yourselves because you're the most amazing people that I know. And then come on back and catch us here on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Mm-hmm.